Welcome to Life and Food with Chef Mimi, where the art of living meets the joy of cooking. In 2020, Mimi transformed her life through her culinary skills, creating macro-balanced meals that led to an astounding 85-pound weight loss. So join us as we delve into our secrets for leading an amazing life while still enjoying incredible food, here on Life and Food with Chef Mimi. Hey guys, welcome back to Life and Food with Chef Mimi. This week we're talking about fad diets and some of the diet myths that are out there. Um, I feel qualified to talk about these things, even though I'm not a nutritionist and I'm not a dietitian, but I feel qualified to talk about them because I have tried pretty much all of them. I have believed all of them at one point or another, and I feel like I've had enough experience with them to at least call BS on some of them and have questionable feelings about others. So one of the main things that I see in the weight loss community is the very common misconception that carbs are the enemy. Now, there is a difference between a high-protein diet that focuses on protein first, that focuses on really healthy lean proteins and really excellent sources of carbs, that's a whole different thing than just the idea that carbs in general are the enemy. So when you look at that myth and that kind of thought process, that gets into like keto diet type of things. Now, I guarantee you that every single myth that I talk about here, there's going to be someone listening who says, well, I do keto and it works great for me. That's fantastic. If you have found something that works for you and your body is responding to it, that is absolutely wonderful. I'm talking about these things more in a general sense of how they relate to the entire population. A lot of people who have severe weight issues are dealing with things like polycystic ovarian syndrome or insulin resistance, things of that nature. They definitely need to focus on a lower carb, okay? But there is a difference between lower carb and carbs are the enemy. Carbs are the devil. And there's also a difference between what types of carbs that you eat. And there's a difference between when you eat your carbs and what you pair them with, etc. So keep all that in mind as I talk, that I'm not poo-pooing any one specific way of doing something. If it's working for you, then that's fantastic. This is more of a generalized commentary. So the thing about keto is, right, you're supposed to eat so few carbs. Generally, it's less than 20 grams a day. Um, This diet was originally uh, developed for people with epilepsy um, as a super high-fat diet. So there are people that do like a moderate keto where they're doing super high protein, moderate fat, very low carb. That generally is a lot healthier than people that just do straight keto, which is generally uh, moderate protein, super high fat, and then low, low carb. So, I mean, obviously you can move your numbers around to make it work better or worse for you. But one of the issues there is that, you know, even though not all calories are the same, weight loss is still a calories in, calories out deficit when you get right down to it. So you might be cutting out all of your carbs, but you might be adding in an extra 30 to 40 grams of fat, which is really high caloric intake. 
Um, and then the other thing, too, is that some people's bodies just don't actually uh, respond to this sort of diet. And then we come down to the thing that I beat my drum about on a regular basis, which is just any time you take something, you're, you're eating, you're exercising, anything in your life, and you cut one particular thing out, or you make it super difficult or super restrictive, you are increasing the odds of failure exponentially. Because when you are operating with a sense of loss at all times, I can't eat that. I can't do that. I can't take this break. I can't, you know, sleep in this morning. I can't ever eat a slice of birthday cake on my birthday ever again. You're, you put yourself in this mindset of, well, how soon before I crack? How soon before I, I fail? And that's not a good position to be in because you're in this constant state of deprivation. You're in this constant state of saying no to yourself. And that gets old really, really fast. But what about cheat days? I hear people talking about that, like they're on a very low-carb diet and then they have a cheat day where they just basically pig out on pizza. And does that help or is that actually a bad idea? I mean, I think there's a difference between a cheat day or a cheat meal or a treat meal. I think it's one thing to um, look at your overall macros for the week and plan a treat meal where you're going to splurge on something or have something a little bit special or plan for it within your macros. But if you live your life going forward at a 90% tight restriction and then 10% all out pig out, that's not a healthy balance. It's just not. You know, why not figure out a way to plan for that piece of pizza instead of eating like a crazy person for 90% of the week and then ingesting an entire pizza in one day? Like that's just not a sustainable and healthy approach to food. And also, if you're someone that struggles with any kind of binge eating disorder or emotional eating, that just feeds right into it. That idea of, uh, you know, deprive, 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 binge, 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 de deprive, 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 binge, binge, binge. I mean, it's just a cycle. It's just bad for you mentally. So that's, you know, my thing about carbs is that they're actually really good for you. And especially if you're in the gym a lot, if you lift heavy, if you're running, if you do heavy cardio, you have to utilize those carbs for energy, okay? Your body needs those for fuel. And at a certain point, you know, you have to change your mindset from, I ate this, it was 200 calories, and now if I go to the gym and I have a workout and I burned 400 calories, well, then I burned off that one thing that I ate, and now I have a 200-calorie deficit, and, I mean, you might as well get out an Excel spreadsheet, and you might as well just start tracking every single step you take, every single, you know, it. it's going to drive you nuts, is what it comes down to. If you want to be an active person, then you're going to have to have workout routines, and you're going to have to create these, you know, opportunities for body movement but you need fuel for that. So if you want to get in the gym and you want to lift really, really heavy weight, you have got to have some carbs to fuel that. Now, not all carbs are created equal. So there's a big difference between saying, oh, well, good. Carbs are good for me. I'm going to eat some Ho-Hos. I'm going to eat a Pop-Tart this morning. There's nothing wrong with eating a Pop-Tart. Plan for it, right? That can be your treat meal. But, you know, fruit, vegetables, those are carbs. Rice, pasta, carbs, bread, carbs, okay? 
focus on whole grains. Focus on stuff with an ingredient list that's three or four ingredients long. Um, I love, if you've listened to Kim Waits on my program, she says, if it doesn't have a mom and it didn't grow from the ground, you shouldn't be eating it, you know, so... And then obviously there's a preparation thing as well. Potatoes, great. Baked potato, fantastic. Deep fried French fries, mm, good every once in a while, but as a regular thing, maybe not so wonderful. All right, so I'm going to leave you poor keto people alone now and move on to something else. I'm telling you what, people feel so strongly about keto. You are either for it or against it. And I just want to say again that, you know, if it works for you, you're able to sustain it, it's working out long-term, you feel healthy doing it, then please don't change on my account. They're like CrossFitters. It's a cult. (laughs) It's a cult! CrossFitters. Well, I love me some CrossFitters. I'm not one of them, though. All right, so this second myth that I want to talk about is not as prevalent anymore. I feel like there's a shift towards um, whole foods. However, this was definitely... Definitely one that I struggled with when I was in my teenage years. This was a really big one and um, has continued to persist for me a little bit. Um, As an adult, I still have a hard time with it, but it's the myth that eating fat makes you fat. So there was just that enormous low-fat craze. Everything was low-fat. I mean, if you checked the carb count, it was ridiculous, but it said low-fat on the front. Oh, I'm old enough to remember Olestra. Remember those potato chips with Olestra? Yes. Yes, and the side effect that came with it. (laughs) Yes. Yes, indeed. I mean, you know, I think anything where there has to be a warning label on the food that you're about to ingest is, I mean, maybe think twice about that. Like, is it really a good idea? But we did get into this mindset there for a while as a country that butter was bad, olive oil was bad, all fat was bad, fat gave you, um, you know, fat gave you high um, cholesterol, and fat caused heart disease. And really what they're finding now is that it's sugar that causes these issues. It's the bad carbs. So, You do have to be careful, right, because calories are calories, and fat calories pack more of a punch, okay? You get fewer uh, grams of fat per calorie than you would of protein or of carbs. So they are very dense calorically. Any of your fat grams are very, very dense calorically. So you still have to be careful. I'm not saying melt half a stick of butter and pour it all over your steak, although that does sound absolutely delicious sometimes, okay? I mean, butter is one of my love languages. I admit it. It's fine. Um, but it's the idea is get as close to whole food as possible, So is, I can't believe it's not wax in a tub close to whole food, or is sweet cream butter closer to whole food, right? Obviously, it's the butter. Is, you know, expeller, pressed, canola, substandard vegetable oil, solids, you know, closer to natural food, or is extra virgin olive oil closer to natural food, right? We all know that. So... Um, I would be very careful about the claims, especially of packaged snack items, saying that they're low-fat. Low-fat basically means that they've removed so much of the beautiful taste of it that then they have to go back in and they have to supplement with something else, and it's generally carbs, and it's generally not very good for you. So there's nothing wrong with making little swaps here and there. I definitely, if I'm cooking for myself, 
Uh, the stuff that I make in the kitchen, I use a lower fat cream cheese or a lower fat sour cream. It's still, the carb count is great. It's just basically derived from a lower fat milk. Okay, so certain things I feel like you can make the swap and it's going to work out fine. Other things, especially the more processed they are, you've got to be really careful about those low-fat claims because in general, it means that they're chemically altered and they're going to be worse for your body in the long term. Now, speaking of chemically altered, I read recently that most of the olive oil that's out there is actually fake. Yes, that is really true. There is this massive olive oil black market and there are, okay, this is the thing about food label claims is that the FDA makes these rules. If your if your product has this percentage of whatever, you can call it this. And so companies will literally create uh, something with the smallest amount of actual olive oil in it to, and then call it olive oil. And it's really not real extra virgin olive oil. So it's so funny because we were just talking about this. But something that you can do is you can um, double check on your label and make sure that it doesn't say something about anything added. Um, you can also put your olive oil in the fridge and if it comes out cloudy and kind of a little bit thicker when it's cold, that does mean that it's real olive oil. I will say I typically buy the Kroger brand and it is cloudy when you put it in the fridge. So, um, you know, be that as it may, it doesn't mean that you have to spend a whole lot of money. You just have to be really careful with what you're buying. Uh, make sure you read labels really careful on that. Um, and try to avoid any olive oils that say anything about light or like extra refined. Yeah, and there's actually a place here in Florence, uh, right on the corner of Hopeful and 42. And all they sell is olive oil. It's all natural, all you know, they import it directly. Yeah, I think it's called the Flying Olive. And they do olive oil and I think some vinegars and some other sort of more specialty spices. It's a very cute shop. Um, but, you know, it's sometimes, you know, you don't want the barrier also of, of being like, well, if you're going to use olive oil, you have to use, you know, olive oil that's $23 a bottle because it's the only good olive oil. That's why I threw that out there about the Kroger brand because, you know, I'm on a budget. I have a lot of kids. We go through a lot of olive oil. It's what I cook with. And uh, the Kroger brand is good, so I will say that much. Whether you're an athlete, health-conscious foodie, or on a mission to shed those extra pounds, Mimi's Macros has got your back. Savor the taste of success with our delicious macro-balanced meals. Plus, there are no subscriptions and no minimums. Visit Mimi'sMacros.com to check delivery availability in your area. Mimi's Macros. Let us do the cooking. You focus on life. All right, so myth three, this one has gained a lot of popularity. Um, I see it in my Instagram reels, in my ads, um, and it's the idea of like needing to detox your body. So a lot of it is juice cleanses and raw food. It's this idea that somehow your body does not know what it's doing and is somehow holding on to toxins. And you have to find the magic solution, generally, that you're purchasing from a company. And it's going to detox your liver because that's all of your problems are in the fact that your liver is full of toxins or, or something to that effect. Yeah, um, I mean, and I want to know, what are these toxins? You what know, I, <laughs> has anybody ever like shown them to us? Like, here they are. They just came out of you. Look at these toxins. <laughs> 
you know, I think I think it is true that we take in a lot of toxic stuff. If you think about um, just even the chemicals that we put on our skin and the chemicals that we ingest from our food, I am on board with that. I do think that our food is probably more chemically laden than it was in the past. And I do think that we utilize probably a lot more artificial scents and things of that nature now. A lot of those can be endocrine disruptors. They're not necessarily very good for you. However, okay, as a Christian here, I'm just going to say I believe God created our bodies in an absolutely amazing and fantastic way. And part of that is that we do actually have a liver and we have kidneys And those organs do have a job, and you actually don't need to do their job for them. And no magic powder, no no sort of detox program that you do is going to get you a better result than you would get by getting good sleep, eating a balanced diet, and drinking a decent amount of water every day, and then letting your liver and your kidneys do the job for which they were designed. The thing about juice cleanses is that it's still a lot of calories, especially if it's fruit juices. What you're doing is you're taking, you know, let's say you sit down and you eat an orange. All right, so you're getting the grams of sugar that are in the orange. Nothing wrong with that. You're getting the juice that's in the orange. Nothing wrong with that. You're getting the carbs that are in the orange. Nothing wrong with that. But you're also getting fiber from, you know, the fibrous pulp of the orange. And you will probably be satiated after one orange. You're not going to sit down and eat six oranges, okay? You're also, you're not going to sit down and eat like, you know, two apples, an orange, you know, four beets, a head of lettuce, you know, two bags of kale. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a vegetable juice too, but a lot of times the vegetable juice tastes so bad that they put fruit in with it. So when you're juicing that amount of stuff, a lot of times you're eliminating the best part of that stuff for you, which is the fiber. You know, that's that's truly what's going to help your body regulate itself. Let me tell you what, if you want to cleanse yourself, you eat a whole bunch of fiber and you'll cleanse yourself, okay? But the juices, you know, when you juice, it kind of refines everything down just to its most uh, sort of sugary component if it's a fruit. Um, and you're bypassing all of the great fiber that's within it. So you have to be really careful about juices, even just from a caloric standpoint. There's nothing wrong with them, but doing a juice cleanse, it would be healthier for you just to eat a balanced diet that day and increase your water intake. Get some movement in and try to get your fiber up a little bit if you really feel like you need some cleansing or you know, you're a little backed up. Um, but that's definitely a fad. It's not something that's sustainable. It's designed to be done in the short term. Usually there's like a three day cleanse or a six day cleanse. And a lot of times, you know, the companies are kind of selling it to you, right? And it's pretty expensive because all you do is you ingest juice for three days and it's their product. Um, if you have a juicer at home and you want to juice and you want to, you know, that's fine. I would recommend if you're going to do, a, you know, some sort of greens juice in the morning, you get some unflavored protein powder or some collagen and you mix that in with it and you get some protein in with all the carbs that you're ingesting in that juice. Yeah, this kind of reminds me of a couple of things. One is, you know, the the fad that went around for a while about like 
you know, if you've been eating red meat your whole life, there's the equivalent of a German shepherd in your colon, you know, or, you know, and then I was listening to Joe Rogan a while ago and and they had this guy on who is supposedly this weight loss for men. And he was talking about these radical things that he would do to guys. And this one guy was a truck driver and he said, you know, I, I'm a hundred pounds overweight. And he said, okay, fine. You're going to come with me. We're going to go up to this cabin in the, in the mountains. And all we're going to do is hike. And all you're going to eat for 30 days is apples. And, you know, the guy lost 100 pounds in 30 yeah. days. And I'm like, well, I mean, at what point did he crap out his liver? I mean, that was – that's my, most of the weight loss is like organs. Organs, yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just coming out of you, you know. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. I, I mean, I preach this – I feel like it's just – I preach this constantly, right? It's – you can't – don't pick things that are unsustainable. If it seems like it's too good to be true, if it's a quick fix – Again, there's no such thing as a quick fix. You did not spend one weekend eating crappy food to end up 40 pounds overweight. And you're not going to be able to take one weekend and drink beet juice and end up at your goal weight. This is just not how life works. And you can't even do that one weekend a month and end up in your goal weight. You know, you have to find the thing that you can do every single day that's going to get you where you want to be. So, you know, this is is a definite fad. Um, I'm telling you what, just up your water. If you're tempted to do a, a juice cleanse, up your water by, let's say, 40 ounces a day for a week. And I promise you, you will feel pretty darn cleansed. All right, this one's going to get really controversial, I feel like, because if you feel like keto people are their own cult, there is another equally rabid cult of intermittent fasters. Okay, so the myth is that skipping meals speeds up your metabolism. So here's what I'll say about intermittent fasting. I believe that there are all different types of body types. Okay, I guess I just said types of types, but there's all different body types. And there's all different metabolisms. Everyone is built slightly differently. We're all special snowflakes, right? We all have our own thing. There are some people that I know that have had so much success with intermittent fasting. If you don't know what that is, basically you set a a time amount where you don't eat. Generally, it's something like, you know, 12 hours where you don't eat, 12 hours where you do. But more often than not, uh, when people are really serious about it, they usually push it to like, 16 hours where they don't eat, and then eight hours where they do, or some people even do 18 and six, okay? So they consume all of their calories in a much shorter amount of time. Now, there is a school of belief out there, which is that all you're basically doing is you are doing calorie restriction. You're just doing it in a different way, because if you only give yourself a certain amount of time in which to eat all three meals or two meals instead of three, or one big meal instead of three small meals, or five small meals, right? There's only so much you can take in at once. And so, you know, your body naturally, you just can't take in as much in that short amount of time. And so you're, you end up just restricting calories. You're just doing it in this roundabout way where you're restricting the amount of time that you have to eat. I don't necessarily think that's true. Because I think that people who do intermittent fasting, they plan their meals out and they do actually probably get, you know, their calorie range where it should be. But I think that this affects people in certain ways. Number one, 
I think that we get very used to larger portions and we get this idea in our heads of false hunger or like the idea that hunger is bad. Okay. We live in a very privileged um, situation in our country where food is readily available. I mean, if you have even the the slightest inkling of a craving or the idea that you might have the smallest amount of space left in your stomach, you can go to your fridge or go to your pantry and you can eat something immediately. Um, I have to laugh sometimes when my kids will come to me and say like, oh, I'm hungry. And I'm like, you know, you just ate an hour and a half ago. You're not hungry. You don't even know what hungry means. Like you've never truly been hungry. I will tell you that through my experience of, of my pre-op diet, of uh, going into, you know, gastric sleeve surgery and then coming out of it and, you know, the time period after where I couldn't eat and I had to be very restricted. Um, and even still, you know, with certain sort of like mental blocks of hunger and things like that, it is good for you to fast and to feel hunger. And I think what it does is it removes the power of hunger so that you can feel hunger and live with that feeling and be okay with not fulfilling it. I think that's good for you as a, as a human being to, to live with that sense of hunger and say, well, I know I'm hungry, but I don't need to eat right this second. I'm not starving. Well, I would think that up till just a couple hundred years ago, that's pretty much how everybody lived all the time. Sure. That's why when I say privileged, I just mean that like we have such readily available food at our fingertips. I mean, we can just, we can eat constantly. Um, And what we have to eat is so calorically dense. You know, it's just very different from what our society, you know, used to be. Um, So I think what what can happen there is that there's a shifting of uh, this idea of like kind of feeding your face all the time. And it creates a discipline when you're doing intermittent fasting, when you're skipping meals or you're skipping a time period where you would ordinarily eat, where you wake up in the morning and you're hungry and you say, no, I'm not that hungry. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait four hours. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to do my workout. I'm going to, you know, work for a little bit and then I'll finally break my fast with this meal. And I think that that's actually really good. And what it I think it typically leads to is that you need less to feel sated and you are more disciplined about what you're eating and you're not afraid to stop eating right when you get full instead of stuffing yourself. So I think that that's, you know, I think that's maybe more where where intermittent fasting comes in, why people have that success with it, because I think it teaches them mastery over their own body, that they don't have to be a slave to their cravings and the feelings that their body give off. Um, The other thing, too, is that when you are fasting, generally speaking, when you are hungry, it is a cue for you to pick up your water bottle and drink a whole bunch of water because it fills your stomach and it feels good. So I think people that do intermittent fasting generally consume a lot more water, which is just going to be healthier all the way around. Now, I will say, um, I don't necessarily have an issue with intermittent fasting. I think if it works for you, I think that's wonderful. But I will say for people that have insulin resistance, PCOS, that sort of thing, fasting is less optimal uh, because it sends your body into a little bit of starvation mode. Uh, For people that have blood sugar issues of any type or endocrine issues of any type, you should be focusing on many small meals throughout the day to keep that blood sugar level as stable as possible. So that's my caveat there. 
Again, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. I'm just sharing what I have learned about myself and what I have seen people have success with around me. Um, so don't come for me because I love all you intermittent fasters. I think you're great. And I, I don't want you to change anything about yourself. Okay. Wait a minute. I think I see some torches and pitchforks oh, no, outside. They're coming. They're coming. All right. My, my last myth that I want to cover here, that uh, kind of pulls everything together. Um, and it's the reason why I love macros and I love counting my macros because the myth is, is that all calories are created equal, right? It doesn't matter what you eat. As long as you stick within your caloric range, then, you know, calories in versus calories out, and then you'll lose weight. It's just not that simple. It's just not that simple. I actually posted, uh, I shared a reel that I came across. And um, if you go look at my page, it should still be there. But it was a comparison and it said, you know, what, I think it was maybe 2000 calories looks like. Um, I don't remember how much, maybe it was like 500, what 500 calories looks like. And on the one side, they slid in a plate that was like some sort of breakfast sandwich and some sort of Starbucks drink. That was it. And then on the other side, they slid in like three full plates of food, like beautiful, wonderfully prepared, healthy food. Okay. When you look at that, you look at, at that drink from Starbucks, you look at that breakfast sandwich, you are getting an, you know, an absolute kick in the pants of sugar and carbs. It's going to spike your blood sugar. You're going to feel like crap afterwards, and it's going to make you actually hungrier. It's going to increase your cravings throughout the day. So the chance of you then overeating something else, even after you've already had this high caloric breakfast, is going to be way higher. If you have a workout planned for that night, your body's already going to be in crash mode from all of that sugar, and you're not going to have as good of a workout. So even though, like, yes, all calories are created equal, there is a difference between, you know, nutrient-dense foods like, you know, fruit, vegetable, protein, whole grains, But like processed foods and and sugary foods, you know, it just doesn't fill, it doesn't actually fill your body up. You get such a small amount for the caloric load that they carry that it leaves you feeling really unsatisfied. Not to mention, those are exactly the foods that are going to lead to the diabetes, to the, you know, to high cholesterol, to all of the other issues. It's the processed food. It's not the fat that's in them. You know, it's, trust me, having your baked potato with butter is better for you than having your insert, I always say ho-hos just because it's like the easiest thing to say, but insert processed food here. Um, You know, that's just going to be a better, better choice all the way around. The reason why I love macros so much is that it takes calories completely out of the equation. So you no longer look at something and say, well, this is only 100 calories. Well, sure, it's only 100 calories, but maybe there's no protein in it at all, and it's all carbs. Well, you look at the amount of carbs that you have for the day, and you're like, wait a second, do I really want to spend, you know, 40% of my carbs for the day on this one tiny little thing when I could take those carbs and have you know, a, a, you know, roasted sweet potato with dinner and I could have granola on my yogurt this morning and I can, you know, insert beautiful natural foods here that you can sprinkle throughout your day. Or do I want to have this one treat that's going to take up that many of my carbs? 
it's this, you know, it's, it's a shifting of the mindset of how you look at the food, not just about what the calories are, but what the calories are made up of. What's the, you know, balance of fats, fiber, carbs, protein, how much of each thing. And if it's balanced, if it's, you know, if it does have a lot of carbs, but it's got a heavy protein, you know, to it, well, sure, that's just going to count towards your regular macros. But if it's all carbs, then you think to yourself, like, man, I'm going to be eating a plate of egg whites tonight just to make up for, you know, the amount of carbs that I took in. So, you know, I think the idea of shifting away from even looking at things as calories and looking at them through a macros lens is so much healthier because you start to look at what things are made up of. All right. So you've taken us through all the different myths that you know about, and we're kind of coming up on time here. So why don't you give us your final thoughts on this subject? Okay. So, I mean, if I had to distill this all down into a few points, um, you know, again, choose sustainable things. Okay. Fad diets are unsustainable. Anything that promotes super rapid weight loss, anything that promotes you having to buy a whole bunch of products Um, you know, anything that says that you have to cut out, you know, total food groups or, you know, those programs where you get a box of Franken food and you eat the bar and then you drink the shake and then you eat another bar and then you, you know, eat your lean meal and then you eat another bar and then you have another shake and then later that night you eat your wife. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say you implode, you just spontaneously combust. Okay. But any of those programs, right? They're going to make big promises and they might work in the short term, but they're not sustainable. So just stay away from them. Shift away from short-term quick fix solutions. Start looking at long-term, sustainable. What can I do? What little changes can I make? What balanced way that I can I approach this that's going to lead to success for me long-term? All right. Anything that has... Um, you know, anything that that promotes not natural foods, be really wary of that. You want to find an eating program that's going to, you know, if it, if it has a mom, if it came from the ground, fair game. All right. Everything else, proceed with caution. Right. So you want to emphasize whole foods. You want to emphasize the, the really good, healthy, um, you know, nutrient packed carbs instead of the empty ho-ho type carbs. Challenge any detox or cleansing myths that you hear. Your body is amazing. Um, It is efficient. It has its own natural detoxification system. It does not require any extreme measures for it to process things correctly. Okay. It does not need help filtering the toxins. It's its literal job. Uh, Find, you know, if you're really, if you're on the fence about something or you see something and you think like, boy, this really sounds legit, um, find some evidence-based information about it. Like, you know, talk to a dietitian about it. Uh, talk to your doctor about it. See if there's any actual scientific evidence to back up the claims that any particular company or diet program is making to you. And then consider, you know, your individual needs and preferences. So, you know, as I've discussed already that, you know, there's people that I know that do keto and they do it very successfully. And that's fantastic. It clearly works very, very well for them. Um, There are people that do intermittent fasting and it works very, very well for them. 
your body might not be that way. Your genetic makeup may not be that way. It might respond a lot better to something else. So take that into consideration that the reason why there's 80,000 different ways of working out and different ways of eating are because there's that many types of people in the world, okay? And you're not going to fit into a one-size-fits-all solution. You're going to have to find something that works with your own body chemistry and that's sustainable for you. Focus on balance and moderation. Again, if it's something crazy, if it's something that says you can never eat fruit, Again, and I mean, I, it sounds crazy to even say that, but I know these things that are like, all you have to do is cut out all fruit and you'll lose whatever, whatever. No, it, it you won't. Or you might for the first week and then grapes are going to start looking so luscious to you that you're going to like, you know, beat yourself to death trying to get to the grapes that are in the bottom drawer of your refrigerator because you've told yourself you can't have them and now darn it, you want them so badly. So whatever it is, you know, make sure that you find something that's moderate and balanced and sustainable that you can keep going with long term. And then focus on well-being over specific weight goals. Okay, focus on, am I sleeping better? Do I have fewer sugar crashes throughout the day? Do I need that 3 p.m. coffee? You know, maybe if I stop eating my, you know, noon lunch that has 285 grams of carbs in it because it contains cookies and chips along with what I'm eating, maybe when I get rid of those because now I'm focused on macros and I realize that's too high of a carb load for me, well, hey, now all of a sudden I don't feel like I'm crashing at three because I didn't spike my sugar. And now I actually feel like I have sustained energy throughout the day. Try to focus on that stuff too, like how you're really feeling as you make these changes and make them slowly, okay? Don't shock yourself into anything, but as you're making these slow changes, start clocking in with those, you know, they're kind of considered like non-scale victories, you know, NSVs. You'll see those peppered through the fitness community. Do you feel better? Are you sleeping better? Are you easily drinking more water? Do you feel more motivated to work out? Is it easier to get up off the couch and get things done? You know, start clocking in with some of the the other indicators of health in your life. Not just what the scale says, not just what your tracking app says that you, you know, where you hit your calories at the end of the day or you hit your macros at the end of the day, but your overall feeling of well-being. Use that as your guide as you move forward. So just be careful out there, guys. There's a lot of BS. 